Heavenly Father, thank you, O Lord, for allowing us to gather together, Father, as a community, Father, in fellowship, all um, united by what your Son did on the cross for us, O Lord. Thank you for your Spirit inspiring us to, to learn more about you, about your Word, about uh, you know, just your, your vision for us, Lord, and, and thank you for being our hope, Father, and our salvation. Father, I just pray for this study that you bless everyone that's here, that you open hearts. Lord, um, that you bless um, the rabbi and just all the teachings. Father, and I pray that you just open up our eyes, Lord, so we can see the wondrous hidden things in your Torah, Lord. And we pray this in your Son, Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Okay, we... Um, I was uh, encouraged to give you... A, uh, a bit of, of an overview uh, why this emphasis on Romans uh, both in the study uh, by the way, oh, there it is I have to have something uh, in both in the study on Wednesday nights and on Shabbat morning in the sermon a couple of reasons um uh, one, uh, at least on Wednesday night, this is a, a continuation and expansion uh, of what we've been doing uh, in Galatians the last few months. And if you were here for the study in Galatians, you'll know that it was a, uh, that Galatians is uh, a polemic. You remember what a polemic is? Sylvia? A persuasive argument. Uh, what kind of a persuasive argument? To keep people from going a direction they were heading. More of an antagonistic argument against another viewpoint. Of some kind. It's what? Like an argument against something else. Okay. Um, polemic. Uh, is it a mild-mannered discussion, or is it intense and in the face? Pointed. pointed, very pointed. Uh, you don't start a letter by saying, "What's the matter with you, idiots?" Uh, that's not something that was uh, uh, acceptable, good practice back in those days. You didn't write letters and saying, "You foolish Galatians." Um, so yes, it is a polemic. Um, because as far as Paul was concerned, it was a matter of life and death. Uh, these guys who were brand new believers or relatively new believers, two, three years, uh, were maybe, maybe a bit longer. Um, he saw them as potentially heading off a cliff. And so uh, this was not the time to... Uh, to, to play footsie, but but rather to be very uh, very strong and put it out there. Um, however, in a polemic, you're not interested in uh, giving a broad explanation of everything. Um, so you, you don't cover it because you are very focused on making a point. And the point, of course, is Yeshua is it, and and you don't. You don't try to engage in um, 
in legalism to try and, and earn your your relationship with God. Um, so because of that, uh, we also wanted to spend some time in Romans because Romans, uh, especially these chapters, cover some of the same territory, but they cover it more broadly and uh, in a way that is non-polemic. In other words, this is a, a, a bit of a uh, uh, sort of a, an explanation uh, kind of a letter. Um, so that's one reason for the emphasis on Wednesday nights, but there is more. <clears throat> uh, part of the issue also involves where we are as a congregation, and we are well aware of the fact that we have folks who are coming to us from all kinds of backgrounds and who have different ideas of what Messianic Judaism is about. Uh, there's no shame in that. It just means that we're different points along in our learning, in our journey. Uh, and so our desire was to hopefully, through the study, uh, provide a framework where you can take your thoughts, ideas, your understanding of Messianic Judaism and Scripture and put it on this framework so that it is a coherent whole. Uh, because as I, if you recall, a couple of Shabbatot, a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned the fact that Messianic Judaism has become all things to all people. And you ask, you take 100 people and ask them what it means and you get probably 200 different answers. Uh, and so uh, we can't speak about congregation XYZ, but we certainly want to be um, uh, good stewards in terms of our understanding of what the Word of God says. So, um, Romans chapter 2, why are we starting with Romans chapter 2? I'm glad you asked. Um, because Romans chapter 1 is kind of an introduction, and we'll talk about the introduction, but Romans chapter 2 is where the meat of our study is as we uh, review uh, what the Word of God has to say about, uh, about the Torah, and, and individual identity and so on and so forth. We spend a lot of time uh, in the study of Galatians talking about um, people's identity in the Lord. Now in case you wondered, uh, that's not a first century issue. Uh, if you were to stop someone and say to them, who are you? Uh, you will get all kinds of answers. And I hope that as we go through the study of the Word of God, that instinctively what you would say, first of all, if you are uh, a man, I'm a son of God. If you're a woman, I'm a daughter of God. That everything else is secondary, uh, including your ethnic identity, including for us who are Jews, our Jewish identity. First and foremost, it is our, our being grounded as sons and daughters of God, men and women of God, servants of God, but that's um, our desire. So um, let me talk a little bit about Romans. And uh, Paul at this point is uh, has been ministering about 20, 25 years. We're not quite sure 
um, how long he's been doing that. Um, Rome was, the congregation there was not established by Paul. Uh, he was not the spiritual papa. Uh, but he felt very, very strongly uh, the urge um, to be there and to be able to share what God had given him. And I want to look at a couple of verses in, in uh, Romans chapter 1 uh, as kind of a uh, prelude Romans chapter 1 verses uh, 11 to 13 and uh, Filberto you look like you have it sir I do for I long to see you so I may share with you some spiritual some spiritual gift to strengthen you that is to say we will be encouraged together by one another's faithfulness both yours and mine I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that many times I planned to come to you, though I was prevented until now, so I might have some fruit among you also, just as, just as I have among the rest of the nations. Now obviously fruit here has to do uh, with a couple of things. Uh, um, usually it refers to people coming to the kingdom fruit in a sense of brand new disciples, but, but also uh, fruit in a sense of uh, spiritual knowledge and wisdom being imparted to people. So Paul has been wanting to come to Rome for a variety of, of reasons over a period of time, and he was not able to. Uh, God would obviously see to it that he would end up in Rome, not in ways that he had expected, um, but why... Why was Rome so significant? Hmm? Well, he was a Roman citizen, okay? Uh, even though he was born in Tarsus, uh, he, was, he was a Roman citizen, okay? Why was Rome so significant for Paul? It's the center of power, essentially, or governmental power at that time. And? Their, their language, their customs, their way of thinking is what um, directed, if you will, the known or populated world. And he was trying to affect that world. Ah, now you're talking. Uh, when, as you read the book of Acts, what you'll find is that Paul doesn't go from place to place willy-nilly, but that he is rather focused strategically on going to places that will impact other uh, other uh, towns and cities, uh, because, for example, in in Galatia, uh, he went to several cities, and the good news of Yeshua spread from those cities to outlying areas, to the entire province, and that was the basic approach. Uh, so Rome, of course, was the center of the empire, and you come to Rome, then what you have to say then spreads beyond. So Paul's been wanting to do that for a while. Uh, it, didn't, it did not materialize. Um, but he w still wanted to come. Um, the congregation in Rome was predominantly Gentile. It was not Jewish. There was a Jewish population in Rome, 
but for some reason our people got into trouble with the with the Caesars and they were booted out uh, three times in fact uh, one in 129 before the common era one in um, 19 and one in 41 and apparently the latest uh, eviction or the latest uh, expelling of Jewish people had something to do with somebody named Christus, which people think might be you know who we don't exactly know what that was like but the point is uh, at some point the Jews were invited to come back so again we're assuming certain things but in all likelihood um, most of the congregation there in Rome was not Jewish um, and Paul was a rabbi I know that shocks people but part of rabbinic discussion was you make a, a comment and then you try you endeavor to validate it by going to scripture I mean you kind of wish people would do more of that today right instead of standing up and pouring forth and having a little bit of uh, uh, the good book in there but typical rabbinic is you make a statement and you go back to the Torah the prophets and you validate it and so that's what you see over and over and over again uh, here in uh, in Romans but elsewhere um, the congregation there in Rome doesn't seem to be fouled up as several of the other congregations were such as uh, in Corinth is my favorite villain uh, where Paul has to say to them um, sleeping with uh, your father's wife is really not a spiritual thing <laughs> that was something he had to uh, explain to them uh, you don't find and, and in Philippians which was a, a good congregation uh, there were all kinds of bickering between a couple of sisters, etc., uh, etc. Et in, in Rome, you don't seem to have much of that other than Paul talks to them several times about their need not to be arrogant and judgmental. If you, as you read Romans, you find that uh, here in, in uh, chapter 2, uh, in chapter 14, and my favorite is in chapter 11 where Paul says three times to these Gentile believers do not be arrogant do not be arrogant do not be arrogant and you know anytime in scripture where something is repeated three times it's one of those hello wake up smell the coffee you get it uh, so perhaps that was an issue that Paul felt a need to address with them um, their, their inclination towards being judgmental. And by the way, remember that scripturally, uh, the word for judge uh, runs a whole gamut of both positive and negative. Positive in a sense of evaluate. You have to evaluate, uh, judge the spirits, uh, test the spirits to, uh, to the very negative to where you sit in judgment and condemnation of people. So we need to understand that when Yeshua says don't judge, he is referring to condemnation. But obviously we are expected to judge in a sense of being discerning and, and evaluating. So in chapter 1, Paul basically 
uh, kind of gives a, a, an overview of what much of civilization was like back in those days. Um, and, and what you find, I, I'll just point out several things here. Um, what you find, the problem with the pagan uh, society um, is not the lack of knowledge, but refusing to accept what they knew for good money. Uh, in chapter 1, verse 21, they knew God, they neither, they neither glorified Him. Uh, verse 24, um, the, the middle of verse 24, uh, actually 25, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. Then verse 28, they did not think worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God. Um, obviously he is talking about knowing God in a very basic way as in you go to the mountains you look at the 14ers and you say wow this could not have just come together somebody must be behind it in other words creation being a witness for God and also um, a uh, the conscience that somehow people from all societies have a basic sense of what is right and wrong that you have taboos uh, in lots of different cultures uh, that are similar uh, so there's some kind of knowledge of God and yet uh, people are so incredibly uh, perverted and rebellious that they take the knowledge of God and suppress it in other words scrunch it and and what what Paul is saying here at this point um, is that God has God gives people a ch the choice. Um, you can either take the knowledge that you know and accept it, in which case God will add more knowledge, or you can take the knowledge that you know and suppress it, in which case what you know will become no will become nonsense, and that's what he's saying because they uh, they knew. Uh, they knew God, they didn't glorify Him, and their thinking became futile. And, and I want to park here for a minute that uh, spiritual knowledge is not about uh, intellectual bits and pieces of information. Spiritual knowledge in, in Scripture is always, always, always based on people's willingness to obey God. In other words, God reveals something to you, you can either accept it, embrace it, or reject it. If you choose to reject it, then you become more stupid. Uh, if you choose to embrace it, then God will give you more information, and He will show you where it is that you need to go. And that's a principle that's true for unbelievers, it's true for us as well. Uh, the Lord sees fit to give us information, and we can accept it or say, not interested. Uh, and if we're foolish enough to do that, then what happens is that we become clueless. And that's the picture uh, Paul is giving in, uh, uh, in Romans chapter 1 here. And you become, you, you basically spin downward, and you become more and more polluted, and you get into the swamp. 
Uh, here, of course, he refers to homosexuality as sort of the, the bottom of, of the pit. And um, not that it's the only sin, it's obviously a sin. Um, because people choose not to accept God's standards. And in verse 32, the end of this uh, chapter, they bring themselves under God's judgment. So, then in chapter 2, verse 1, Paul begins by saying to, to folks, Okay, uh, here are the rank pagans, the, the guys who are uh, really polluted, really rank, and the inclination is to say, I'm not like them. Uh, and by the way, this is something that was true in first century Judaism. Um, and still is to some extent in Judaism. That the notion that Judaism back then uh, taught that you're really not a sinner. Uh, in fact, you talk to most Jewish people, they say, I'm not a sinner. I may commit a sin, but I'm not a sinner. The sinners are the ones that commit these big, black, ugly, nasty sins. And in Yeshua's day, it was the tax collectors, the prostitutes, and so on. Uh, in our day, it's the drug pushers, and so on and so forth. And people's inclination, uh, not just among Jewish people, but everybody, is to say, I'm a good person. Uh, and the usual shtick is, God is a loving God, and, and I'm a good person, and I do the best I can, and because He's loving, He's going to bring me to His house. How would you respond to that? Probably yes or no. Ah. <laughs> How about no? <laughs> what works for me is is a simple analogy that you know, being a grandfather raising up a, a uh, uh, fourteen year old and and his friends come into the house uh, and they're like holy terror sometimes. Uh, you say to them, "My house, my rules." Um, and, and that's what God says my house, my rules I don't care what you think of, of yourself that you're a good person my house, my rules here's how you get to my house and it, 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 it does not suggest that, that I or we are superior but we simply have made a commitment to listen to what it is God wants and follow and obey Him um, otherwise we bring ourselves onto God's judgment and the word the theme for judgment here is very strong however however did you see in uh, chapter 2 verse 4 let's read chapter oh we didn't read the, the chapter oh this is terrible uh, oh all that was introduction okay let's go ahead and read verses uh, uh, chapter 2 verse 1 uh, to 11. Let's see, do we have a likely volunteer? Sure. Why not? Sure. Okay. 
Therefore, you are without excuse, O man, every one of you who is judging. For by whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. We know that God's judgment on those who practice such things is based on truth. But you, O man, judging those practicing such things yet doing the same, do you suppose that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you belittle the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you to repentance? But by, but by your hard and unrepented heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath, when God's righteousness, a righteous judgment is revealed. He will pay back each person according to his deeds. To those who by perseverance in doing good are seeking glory, honor, and immortality, eternal life. But to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, wrath, and fury, there will be trouble and hardship for every human soul that does evil, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. But there will be glory, honor, and shalom to everyone who does good, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For there is no partiality with God. Thanks. This is obviously a bunch of mouthfuls that by the grace of God we will uh, unpack here. But um, remember that in the scripture when you see therefore, it tells you what? Why is therefore? Why is therefore? Meaning that there's a connection between what went on before and what is going on. So in chapter 1, Paul paints a very ugly picture of humanity. And remember, this is um, Romans is being called a diatribe, um, diatribe or diatribe, uh, which basically means um, argument with an imaginary uh, opponent. And and uh, what that is about is that Paul has been proclaiming the Word of God for 20-25 years and you can imagine over a period of time he hears the same objections over and over and over and over again and so what you see here is kind of him interacting with an imaginary opponent but really someone that he's heard say these things before you know either in Philippi or Ephesus so to, to the people who would say, I'm, I'm a decent person, in verse 1, Paul says, you have, you have no excuse. You think you're a good person. Well, let me tell you something. God judges. God is a righteous judge. He has a, um, uh, an x-ray machine that goes right through all your baloney. Uh, if, and furthermore, if you look at somebody else and you say, that person... Is, is basically a notch above an earthworm, uh, which we tend to do sometimes. We do it all the time. Thank you, Michael. <laughs> uh, Paul is saying to them, step back, hold it, because when you do that, you are presuming to put yourself in God's shoes that, that someone else is, is lower than dirt but you, on the other hand, are a good person. And Paul says, uh-uh. You take that approach, 
you're putting yourself under God's judgment because you're presuming that you alone know exactly what what's going on in that person uh, and furthermore you alone know what's going on in yourself and if you're old enough you've got a few gray hair you realize that there are all kinds of levels in our life where there are pockets of yuck I guess I'm the only one that feels that way mm-hmm. um, and by the way this theme of judgment uh, back off uh, and stop judging is something that we see throughout here as I mentioned before in chapter 14 uh, where we see a whole bunch of that um, so part of what he's saying in verse 2 uh, God is the only one who can judge because his judgment is true um, and however in verse 3 when you pass judgment um, you're putting yourself in a bad place verse 4 I want to park here for a while verse 4 do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness tolerance and patience realizing that God's kindness leads to repentance now first of all what is repentance Victor um, what do you say Conscience recognition of your being against, or your life is being directed against uh, God's will. Okay. And uh, accept it and to uh, turn your life around. That's, that's well put. You, you get the fact that God is over here and you're over here, and you make a conscious decision to go 180 degrees. <coughs> so, what leads a person to repent? Convictions. Conviction. Conviction comes about because of Holy Spirit. Okay. How does a person feel when they're convicted? Pain. Pain. Okay. Any other factors that lead a person to repent? Guilt. Guilt. Recognizing that God will accept them when they turn around. Okay. Uh, understanding something about about God's chesed, God's mercy. Okay. Enlightenment. 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 Okay. What Paul's saying here is that one of the major things that drives a person to repent is the kindness of God. Now that's counterintuitive because we usually feel like uh, God takes a big stick, you know, a two by four, and whacks us across the head and and we say, okay, God, I was an absolute idiot. Uh, I'm going to do things differently. And that sometimes is what happens. But ultimately, what Paul is saying is that what really is the powerful motivator is not fear, but the love of God because you know who God is and you know that he has the right to nuke you and instead of nuking you he opens his arm and says I love you and that makes you feel like two cents uh, two two cents uh, uh, Vulcan money (laughs) huh 
it's a prodigal son. You, you feel absolutely lower than dirt and, and you are ashamed of yourself. Why? Not because God came and whacked you, but because He showed you His love. Because He comes running out with the rope. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what Paul is saying. It is the kindness of God that leads to repent. So I know that sometimes we pray for our kids who are not walking with the Lord, and we say, Lord, would you please paint them into the corner? Would you please whack them across the head, grab them by the throat, do something? And then we realize that's not really what the Lord wants. He wants our kids to, to have this experience of the love of God and then say, wow, okay, I'm sorry. And, and repent. Because you know who God is, you know His righteous standards, you know His judgment. Um, and, and you know the fact that, that God uh, keeps records, you know, He keeps records of what we do. Um, and He gives us, He rewards us. Now, I want to say that carefully because this is not works righteousness. Okay? Uh, this is not to imply that we do X and God does Y. In other words, I do 2.5 units of goodness, God will give me... It, it, I, I hear that sometimes when people talk about giving and tithing. You know? Uh, I, I give and God is going to give me. Well, okay. Um... Uh, there's also another aspect of this too that God's mercy doesn't nuke us and because he puts up with us for so long at times when we're out of order whoever the person is I'm just saying that's part of his mercy too because he knows that in the right season they will come to repentance and Israel is the poster child of that because you, you see, for example, uh, from from the time of Solomon until the time of the exile, you're looking at about 400 years. That's a long time uh, in which Israel did all kinds of crazy things. Uh, in fact, Scripture says that there was there were times when Israel was worse than the Amorites, the the, the Canaanites around. Um, and yet God held back his judgment until such time as okay you, your cup of iniquity has filled up you know you, you've had it you've acted to such an extent that I I have no choice but to act uh, by the way are we all freezing here mm -hmm. yes. cool okay <laughs> alright uh, I'm seeing some chattering teeth here. <laughs> When you start to see your breath, that's when you really... Okay. Uh, so, Paul, Paul is saying that uh, um, that God will, will give, uh, will reward people based on what they, what they do. And in verse 7, I just want to be a little clear that uh, those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, immortality, he will give eternal life. We need to be very clear that this is not saying that salvation comes by, by our good deeds. Uh, however, 
if if the good deeds are not there, then the scripture is very emphatic. Whatever is taking place is not worth much. Um, so it's it's obviously both and, you know, for the people who are big on faith alone uh, versus the lordship. It's for me. It's a silly debate because these guys are not Jewish. They don't understand that it's both and. You know, it's not either or. It's both and. You know. Anyways, um, but for those, for those who, um, for those who choose to reject the truth, again, you see, you see the emphasis on people making deliberate choice to reject. Um, and and we have a hard time with that because we think, well, what about the the people in Papua New Guinea who have never heard of Yeshua? And what keeps us relatively sane is the fact that there are some things about who God is and how He does things that are a mystery. And God has not called us to feel that we have to validate God in everything that He does. God will validate Himself. So, um, we need to take the Word of God as it is. And what it's saying here is that everybody, every single human being to one extent or another, um, has an element of truth about who God is. I mean, it may be this big, it may be that big, but we all have... And so God will evaluate people on what they do with that truth and those who choose to reject it will experience God's judgment. Now, you notice that there is a set of priorities here. Uh, verses 9, 10, 11. God's judgment comes in what order? Jew first, Gentile hmm? order. Okay. Comes to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. Um, and, and by the way, you remember, if you were here Shabbat, that, that the people that, that say that Romans has nothing about Israel, a Jewish people, and it, uh, I think they would have a, a tough time proving that <laughs> from, from what we're seeing here. Uh, glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good, first to the Jew, and then for the Gentile, for God does not show favoritism. And you read that and you go, huh? What? Uh, you're, you're saying that, that you give the good stuff to the Jew first and then to the Gentile? Is that not favoritism? Let's see if we can stretch a little bit here. Is that not favoritism? Depends on which end of the... the dirty or clean stick you're on at the time it happens. Okay. So it also says that God's judgment will come to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. But but judgment unto uh, a reward or judgment unto again that's why I guess I say that each it depends on what side of the stick you're on. If, if the stick holds a um, nice piece of juicy fruit that is good and healthy and it's a reward for my uh, God-led and driven good deed, then it's great. 
and it, and and if you're on the and on, and I'm on the other side because my deeds are less good or not glorying to God and he judges me because I've done those things then if I'm on the dirty end of the stick and I'm getting punished the guy who's getting the fruit looks like he got a break and I got it is favoritism from this side of the stick okay so you're saying yes it is favoritism uh, how many say no favoritism why not John because if you don't if you don't deserve it in the first place, no matter what you do, then um, it doesn't matter. Let's say, let's say that we both need a we both need a, a, a glass of water. We're both we're both dying of thirst, and I don't care if you get it first and I get it second, because I don't I need it, but I certainly don't deserve it. I don't disagree with that. I'm just saying. No, no, no. And when yeah. you stand right. makes a yeah. difference. Yeah. It. it um, when. When. You, when. There's. When there's no way that. Um, regardless of the deed. Um, when there's no way that you deserve. Um, no way that you deserve salvation. No way that you deserve. Uh, to be called the Son of God when there's no way that you can possibly conceptualize earning it, then uh, you're happy being the waiter <laughs> at the banquet table. Okay. That's how I see it. Remember what Yeshua said, to whom much is given, much is required. Mm -hmm. So if if, uh, say, you have two kids, I'm sorry, I'm a grandpa, I think those terms sometimes. You give uh, ten bucks to one, you give five bucks to the other, uh, you send them to get something, and if, if the guy with the ten bucks, the kid with the ten bucks, makes a stupid decision, um, you're going to be more severe with him because he had, he had got more money. Using right? your using your analogy, there's a great visual where they give a thousand dollars to a homeless man, and you think the homeless man is going to go buy booze, he's going to go do this, he's going to go do that, and they follow the guy. And what the guy does is he goes into Target and he buys all these food, and he starts passing out food to all the homeless people, and they go, well, "You could have changed your life," and he goes, "But I changed a thousand lives." Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Because. Here's somebody that realizes no matter how much he gets or how little he gets, in this particular case, I'm not saying go ahead and have $1,000 every almost <laughs> Take it for what it's worth. But this person, they realize in this particular instance that they're, it's a gift. And why not, why not extol that gift out as opposed to, so utilizing your money analogy, they don't. They don't think that they should have that in the first place. It's not. It's not theirs. Does that make sense? I don't know. Maybe I lost it. Yes, it does. However, Victor. So, when uh, when we talk about that, if God favor Jews uh, against uh, Gentiles, uh, you wrote the word covenant right there. Mm -hmm. uh, so, Abraham and before Abraham. Uh, was it Jew concept? The no. Were Jews? They were not Jews back no. then. 
and you have a covenant. In fact, so it is not a matter of if it's a Jew or Gentile. It is about if you come to God and look for a covenant with Him. Right, right. So and, it doesn't matter who you Jewish or, or whatever you are. And, and that's well put. Uh, you have to see this through the filter of the covenants that God made with Israel. Uh, Irene? Well, using the favoritism, God, what is it? God does not show favoritism. He judges all. Right. Uh, all have sinned. All are in need of a Savior. And I'm thinking that the um, first, first the Jews, the Jews got the information first. The Jews got the law first. The, the Jews got the uh, got Yeshua first. Right. And I think I think that that might be the way it's being portrayed here. That the Jews got the information first, then the Gentiles. It certainly is part of the picture. Uh, in the first century, uh, uh, the Jews not only had the information, but uh, the Gentile congregations. Uh, had a steep learning curve in order to to learn what what the Torah, the prophets, and so on and so forth. Someone who was raised in the synagogue had that already inculcated into who they are. So uh, there was a greater accountability. And but you come back to this issue of the covenants. The covenants are very specific. God says, "You follow me and obey me. I will bless you. I'll reward you. You choose to be stupid and." rebel against me I will punish you and so the covenant was with between God and Israel and so God had to judge Israel either for good or for evil first of all because he was in a covenant relationship with them um, yes ma'am are you saying that um, the Jew is going to be punished harder for wrongdoing and he's going to be conversely is he going to be when he follows truthfully um, you know Yeshua follows the commandments of God that he will be the first to receive a blessing not the first but but a comparable blessing um, because the, the basic principle here is that God judges a person on the basis of what they know, not the, the basis of what they don't know. And and if a person has this much knowledge, God holds him accountable for this much knowledge versus this much knowledge. I can understand that part. It's a blessing part. It's a blessing part because, you know, he, he does this thing. Um, the judgment to the Jew first, just like an older brother or something, you know, he's more responsible, I expect more out of him, right? But the blessing part, what exactly does the Lord mean? Good question. Um, I think you need to see it in, in terms of uh, stewardship. Uh, along with a bigger chunk of responsibility, there comes a bigger blessing. You know, if God puts you in charge of a bigger chunk and you are faithful, then the blessing is comparable to the responsibility He's given you. Right, so am I taking up too much time? It's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. But I only want to say it if it's interesting to other people. 
Um, other people probably yes. thinking something so, similar. So, so let's think this through practically. So a Jewish person, uh, a rabbi, let's say, a rabbi comes to know Yeshua and he spreads the gospel and so on. And there's another Jewish person who is just a plebeian, uh, as it were, and he comes to know, you know Yeshua as well. And then you have a Gentile person who comes to know the Lord. And they're all ministering to the Lord. Okay, so now practically, how does the blessing work? Uh, if I were a God, I would spell this out in great nauseating <laughs> detail. Uh, l look, it it the, the the point of this is a this is about covenants, um, and if you were in a covenant relationship with God, which Israel was, mm -hmm. that part of what God promised to Israel was, I'm going to do this, 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 and this. If you're faithful, for example, uh, I'll give you the land, and I will bring you to the land, and the, and you will prosper in the land. That was not something that God had um, made uh, an arrangement with with the Gentile nations. Um, and so there's a balance here, folks, because we need to understand that it isn't about ethnicity. Uh, someone being Jewish, uh, Greek, uh, whatever, it is about the covenant relationship. And it is that, it's also the relative degree of knowledge to whom much is given, much is required, and exactly how that works, Maurice, uh, I'll be able to tell you when I see the Lord. Mm -hmm. But then I might know it too then. You, you will know it too. <laughs> Phil? Well, and I, and I guess in, I'm thinking of both economic and physical terms when when the Jews or the the people of God uh, keep the covenant a rising tide is raising all boats because that cup flows over yeah they got the blessing of if you will the economics or the physicality or the, whatever it happens to be first but because there's so much the Gentiles are getting wet and that's and, and and the reverse is true when they fail to follow that covenant. So so from that extent, um, it may be <laughs> like you're saying, who's going to get the drink of water first, or who isn't? If if they're doing what God asks, and I and and there are other scriptures in the Bible that give that comparison. That if you're saying later on in this in this book, in fact, where he says. I've blinded them, and you got a blessing. Imagine when I open their eyes and I really crank the faucet. Right. They go, what you're going to get then? Right, right. And, and, and that's well put, Phil, because um, this is not like, uh, um, say, a boss with two workers. This is like, like God with um, all his people, uh, all his creatures, um, Israel being specifically a tool or vessel that God put together in order to make an impact on the nations. So if God blesses Israel, he will also bless the nations. Because that was that was part of the plan. Uh, it wasn't God didn't create didn't fashion Israel just for Israel's sake. Uh, yes, he loved Israel, but there was very very definitely a functional purpose there. 
Um, and so the balance here, folks, is that in that sense, God doesn't have favorites because his, his goal is to bless the Jews and to bless the Gentiles. Victor. When now, uh, when you're talking about the Jew, the Jewish people and the covenant and the uh, Jewish people that sit in Yeshua as their Savior, that happened over time with the Gentiles through Christianity, bring the knowledge of Yeshua and the New Testament to the Jewish nation. And it is turning around now for Jewish traditional people to accept Yeshua as their Savior. And it is right. a complete circle because the uh, Jewish people by themselves, they don't, they, they don't come to the recognition to Yeshua without the Gentile people yeah. bringing that. So it, it is a complete circle. It is not a favor for this one more than the other ones. It is a compliment for all yeah and, and, yeah, and that's well put, Victor. And we're driving in this from different angles, but, but we're heading the same direction. Uh, we're not talking about one kid being homeless, shoeless, and hungry versus one kid having steaks and et cetera, et cetera. Um, we're, we're talking about the fact that God brings about his blessing uh, and meets it out differently, but... But at the end, no one is is coming away uh, hungry and and thirsty and 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 needy. That's the point. Uh, and and it's a hugely important for us to to realize. And I think I'm going to park here for a minute because part of what happens sometimes folks come to us who are not Jewish who are wistful about God. Why didn't you make me Jewish? Well, let me tell you, it's such a blessing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <it's> obvious. <laughs> um, and and that is why we spend so much time talking about uh, uh, the issue of identity, uh, because if if um, if you live life wistfully and saying, God, why didn't you make me like him or her? You're missing what it is God has for you, uh, and and uh, so we want to park there and understand that that God has a special place for Israel because of how much He loves the nations. And yes, as Victor was saying, somewhere I don't have good statistics, but somewhere about seventy, eighty, ninety percent of people like me. Uh, or Rabbi David, <coughs> Abraham, Jewish believers have come to faith through Gentile believers. Amen. And and so yes, it, it is definitely somehow God works out all the all the uh, uh, details. Details. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, all the uh, all the parts of the equation. God somehow sees fit. So when when he when Paul says uh, judgment for, to the Jew first and to the Gentile a blessing, it's all part of how God does business with with the covenant relationship that He's had with Israel. Um, and as we understand it, it somehow all comes out in the wash.
Yeah, you try to jam God into a, into a capitalist mindset. It didn't make a whole lot of sense. I mean, you look at the vineyard and you're like, wait a minute, that doesn't seem right. That's not fair. I started at 8 a.m., you started at right. 6, and we're getting the same money. That's not right. God can't work it that way. The first shall be last. Yeah, yeah, the last will be free. Yeah, exactly. And it just, all the way through, um, like you said, later on in this book, it just doesn't, I don't know. It, it just doesn't, it, it doesn't, you can't put him in a mold, any mold, but in particular this box. He's like, no, I, I've got it figured out on, on who I bless and who I curse. And, uh, at, yeah. At the end of the day, I hope that you walk out of here with, with the sense of it is the kindness of God that leads to repentance. Mm -hmm. Amen. Mm -hmm. God has given me not what I deserve, whether I'm Jew or Gentile, whatever. Um, okay, um, if you are a fellow OCD-er, um, I, I, I'm not assuming anything here. Uh, for next time, uh, go through Romans uh, 2.12 to the end of the chapter and count up how many times the word law appears. If I'm using the TLV and it's using the Torah? Uh, well, if it, the TLV, it says Torah, but, you know, it's... Two, two yeah. to the end. Huh? No, she said two, twelve through what? Two, twelve to the uh, end. To, to the, well, to the uh, end of two? To yes. the end of chapter two. Yeah. Yes, that's correct. Um, and you want to say, okay, there's a reason why the Torah is mentioned over and over and over and over and over and over again um, and you will be blessed next Wednesday with one of our other um, gifted teachers David would you finish for us sir Lord we uh, just do come to you and, and thank you for the kindness that you've bestowed upon us Lord and help us, Lord, not to not to be intolerant or impatient when we see your kindness. And that may we see that your when we see your kindness, when we see that it leads that would lead us to repentance. And your kindness not be seen as weakness, but may it be seen as that which uh, is drawing to people. May it be the same for us, Lord, as we go. May our fruit be be kindness that leads people to us, which leads them to you. And so we thank you for this time. Uh, blessings on each person here and as they go home and uh, that we return again together this Shabbat in Yeshua's name.